Equity, diversity, and inclusion are words we hear regularly in contemporary America. For many, these words are not a problem, while for others, the words make them totally uncomfortable. However, question is, do we really accurately understand the meaning of the words and the behavior modification they may entail? Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. The words equity, diversity, and inclusion also have a contrasting understanding between generations. For millennials, equity, diversity, and inclusion tends to be a natural occurrence and practice, while for some older boomer adults, the words carry resistance and do not resonate. On this edition, we explore the accurate insights and meaning to equity, diversity, and inclusion with EDI consultant and historian, Ms. Jamika Lewis. I don't think most organizations understand what equity actually is. I think that they tend to focus on what they perceive diversity to be and what they perceive inclusion to be. But I, I really think that equity tends to be an afterthought. And I think it's because people don't necessarily understand what it is. I mean, equity is making sure that individuals in your organization or in your group who have disadvantages have the necessary tools that they specifically need, not what um, a blanketed group may need. Uh Um, Equity is, yeah, equity is not providing the same resources to everyone. That's not what equity is. Technically, that's equality. But equity is looking at individualized needs, understanding where those um, needs arose from, and then seeing to it that that person has what they need to be successful. Does equity include or involve fairness and justice in the way people are treated? Most definitely it has to. Um, you know, when when people are treated unfairly in in a group or in a corporation, you have to get to the whys behind it. And then after you get to the whys behind it, then you have to start talking restitution because you can't have equity without some kind of recompense for the wrongs or for the shortcomings or for the lack. You have to have equity and and restitution. It all goes in together. Does equity also require overcoming intentional or unintentional barriers to bias? It has to. In my not-so-expert opinion, that's where the bulk of these issues come from. Yeah. Um, some people are very aware of their biases, and they don't act on them, or they or they they act on them, but they aren't held accountable for them. Yeah. And so when those biases affect other people, there's more of the explaining away of the why versus what the impact was on the people that those biases affected. And we just don't talk about that because it gets to be sticky. It gets to be tricky. It gets to be messy. People don't want to talk about that. <laughs> In organizations, does equity achieve fairness? Not always okay. because I don't, I don't think most organizations or companies ever achieve full equity mm-hmm. for their of their employees. So I, I can't say that it does. Um, it should, but the perception of what is fair is subjective, and people will not agree on what is fair. And I think that is a huge barrier when we talk about progress. 
mm-hmm. and when we talk about equity, is trying to come to some some sort of consensus as to what is quote unquote fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then trying to get to that consensus is a, is where a lot of the conversations stop. Heading down that same road, are diversity and inclusion similar, or are they different? No, diversity and inclusion are different. Diversity is having various voices in the room or at the table, uh, making sure those voices come from different backgrounds, different lived experiences. Um, That's what diversity is. Inclusion is making sure that the diversity of voices have an active stake and have um, active opportunities to be a part of the decision-making process. And that is that tends to be where people organizations stop at diversity. Yeah, they think okay, if we hire enough people from different ethnic backgrounds, if we hire um, enough people with different degrees, some people think that diversity includes learning styles, and to me, it just doesn't. Learning styles, yeah. Some yeah. people have co-opted the EDI uh, movements by saying, oh, well, diversity of learning styles is just as important as racial and ethnic equity. And I'm like, it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People aren't discriminated against often due to their learning style. Um, if anything, things are catered to people of, di- of different learning styles. We can't say that when it comes to, um, to ethnic and cultural diversity. Could you say that diversity opens access to people or talent? whereas inclusion engages that talent effectively. Absolutely. Um, Diversity allows these different talents to be present. Um, Inclusion allows those talents to be impactful, and there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. Do we practice um, inclusion in our workplaces, or or are we doing a better job of uh, practicing inclusion in our workplaces? I can't say, I, I can't, I don't like speaking definitively. Yeah, sure. I can just go with what I've, yeah, with what I've observed or organizations I've worked with. Um, I don't. I think inclusion is the part where most organizations are failing. And so, I mean, I think a lot of those who are in administrations or who are, in the in positions of power believe that you know adding more faces of color solves the issue but i heard it said once in a training i attended that companies may hire for diversity but they onboard for conformity and that really struck me because that's definitely been my experience um, from what i've observed organizations say they want diversity pools of candidates and they want um, diversity of voices, you know, when they hire, but when it comes to actually that, that person being hired and coming on to the, into the company, they definitely want people to conform to that company culture. And that, that defeats the purpose. It defeats the purpose of diversifying your talent. If you Mm -hmm. want them all to conform to white-dominated norms of your organization, it completely defeats the purpose. And so since it defeats the purpose, you really can't call it inclusion then, too, because they're not a part of the the contribution process if everybody's the same. Correct. 
And in the rare um, chances that they are, Mm -hmm. they tend to not be given credit for what they came up with. If companies and organizations can really get a good handle around diversity, then we got to help them make the jump to inclusion, I would say. Absolutely. Inclusion is where things happen. Inclusion is where things change. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of companies are very hesitant to change because they believe that if things change, then it messes up the power dynamic and the power structure of the organization. Mm -hmm. But like I teach, like I've taught organizations before, um, equity and even money and resources are not pie. They're not something that is consumable. It's not something that's going to run out. And, you know, being afraid to share power or to share resources or to share acknowledgement, um, that will really hold a company behind and that will keep them behind. Um, If you really, really want things to change and if you want to, to attract talent that will make change, then you have to be willing to say, you know, I'm not concerned with power or recognition Um, I'm more concerned with what we're putting out, what products are we putting out, what resources are we putting out, Mm -hmm. Um, are these things speaking to the needs of our constituents or the needs of our customers or the needs of our community. And I think you'll find that when the power dynamics are disrupted, that makes for incredible change at all levels. Uh, Do you have to disrupt the power dynamic, or do you have to reapply it differently? Or even better, is it more effective to share the power dynamic to make inclusion work more effectively? Well, sharing is disrupting, um, in my opinion. When you share power, you're disrupting the current state of what the dynamic is. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mean taking away the power structure because in every organization there is some semblance of that structure, right? Right. Um, I just think that when you have the same people with the same mindsets and the same biases and the same behaviors, being the ones who continually benefit from that power, that's where you get stagnant. And then when you have people who come in and recognize that that's what's happening, and they decide to walk away, then you're losing talent. You're losing uh, potential. You're losing people who can really achieve great things, you know, within the organization. But you lose that just because you're afraid of sharing. And it may even just be a perceived power. It may not even be actual tangible power. It may just be what they perceive as power. And those are different things, too. Do you think that if, we as individuals uh, practice more inclusion in our daily life with the people that we contact, with more family members and that, it'll be much more effective or easier for us to uh, practice inclusion and make it work in our workplaces. Oh, for sure. Um, anytime, you know, people live in a bubble, and these days if we if you do live in, in a super protected um, bubble or a super... Um, not diverse um, environment, That's yeah. it's a choice now. These days it's a choice. And so if you choose that because of fear, um, because of 
being comfortable and being content, which is fine. Um, but that is a certain measure of privilege. Some of us don't have the privilege of living in protected or, or living and working in protected spaces. And so if you choose to do that, you choose to surround yourself with people who won't challenge you or people who won't have these difficult conversations with you or who you choose to not tap into their experiences, then you definitely carry that over into your professional career. I can always tell who, just based on conversations or based on repeated interactions, yeah. I can all, I, one of the things I ask is, who is advising you? That's what I think in my head. I don't say it. But I'm just like, who's advising you? Or who's in your circle? Because how can you be this closed off and closed minded? Like, my goodness. Mm-hmm. But I never ask it. I'm too nice to ever ask. <laughs> but I do think it. <laughs> So one way, a couple of ways of practicing inclusion in your daily life then is uh, challenging stereotypes, avoiding uh, assumptions, and as you said, be aware of your privileges. Right. And one of the things that we don't consider when we're talking about challenging inequity um, and diversifying our experiences, um, we have to be cognizant of what we consume when it comes to media and social media and those outside influences. We have to be very, very careful um, and very mindful and very intentional Uh about what we consume when it comes to those things. So you're saying when people are going on the net, don't believe everything you read. Right. I mean, as a librarian, I'm all for the age of information. We're in a fantastic age where information is available with a quick search. But along with the age of information, we have the age of misinformation, and that is very prevalent, too. And so I always recommend that people search before you share or um, consider where you're getting your resources or where you're getting your information from. On this edition, it's a conversation on the insights to equity, diversity, and inclusion, which next time will encompass the topic which makes EDI necessary, race. Our guest is equity, diversity, and inclusion consultant and historian, Jamika Lewis. We'll continue this conversation with her on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get vaccinated for yourself and your family's health. Mask up and keep your distance when going out. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.